Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, December 9th, we look at Lesson 10, Mission to the Unreached, Part 1. Together, let's see how to make the sacred palatable. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, here we are, Lesson 10, and happy to, to dive into this one. I, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, Mission to the Unreached, Part 1. And our memory text comes from Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Well, this is a great chapter. I'm so excited about it because it's titled Mission to the Unreached, you know, and, and Pastor Paul, he had a passion for this. He did. And I think uh, ho- hopefully our audience, we can, as we have been all this entire quarter, correlate this with our own lives uh, of of pairing the sacred with those who seem like they're, they're disinterested. There's a lot of people who have, I think, Michael, you, you brought this concept to me and I read the art, a couple of articles on it, the nuns. Oh, people yeah. consider them nuns, right? And so correlate that with this. People who say they don't have any religion, but they're still spiritual. Mm-hmm. And this is a chance to, to bridge together the sacred with those who are secular. And hopefully we, we learn a lot from this. And so, Michael, take us straight into it. Acts chapter 17, 1 through 6, a Hebrew in Athens. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, since you brought that up, I mean, we, we still are dealing with the nuns. If anyone hasn't is not familiar with that term, look up the Barna research on this and type in nun, N-O-N-E, you know, and you see that there's a, a growing segment within uh, American society that and Western society that says, you know, we we don't want anything to do with organized religion. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, Buster, is I'm kind of keeping up on these religion surveys and stuff. And there's the U.S. religion survey. So the question is, is mm-hmm. less people going to church? And it's actually showing that the same within a hundredth of a point, you know, people with the denominational affiliations are are changing with, where they go to church. But but there's just as many people going to church. But what's interesting is that the nuns and the rise of the nuns says that people that don't want anything to do with religion aren't just quietly, idly sitting by, that they are becoming more vocal in their mm-hmm. dissatisfaction with, with organized religion. So I don't know. There's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. This is not a new phenomenon, as we're seeing with Pastor Paul here in Acts chapter 17. Yes, you know? yeah, and, and that's so true. Mm-hmm. And, and so here we have Thessalonica, right? Paul is going and chapter 17, verse 17, it talks about how he would reason in the synagogue with the Jews and then with the Gentile worshipers. So he's reaching everybody here, you know, Jew and Gentile at that point, right? And it says, and in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there. So he's not just looking for, you know, he, he's out there. Uh, we might say fishing, ministering, connecting with people, knowing where people are at. Right. No, it's and intentional. It, very intentional. And so, and then here it talks about Athens, right? And that's the first part of chapter 17. Actually, he goes to Berea first, then he goes to Athens. But 
But here you get this idea of, he describes Athens itself, and we've got a couple different case studies with Pastor Paul. He describes Athens as given over to idols. That's verse 16, right? right. Where here, these are people that, they are the nuns, as you point out. They're not just saying, hey, you know, they're not Jew. They're not, the, they're just really, we might say pagan. They're, they're just want nothing to do with, with necessarily the Christian religion. And yet Paul connects with them. He loves them, meets them where they're at. Kind of like what Jesus did. Ellen White describes in Desire of Ages, Jesus meeting people where they're at, right? And, and discovering, you know, their needs and, and just ministering to them and just loving people. And today may not be actual idols that people bow down to, but we have the idols of success and prosperity of, of, of affluence. And, uh, you know, this is actually, I think one of the, the biggest dangers we have. Think of my good friend, Jim Park. He's a missiologist at IS now retired. Shout out to uncle Jim, if, if you're listening to this. And uh, he, he'd talk about one of the greatest dangers is as people become more affluent, they tend to uh, very easily become disconnected to religion. They don't sense their need anymore. And that's, that's part of what's happening here. It's true. As well, is uh, here, Paul realizes the, the need, he sees it, but uh, he's going to have to reach with them. And so that's where this idea of mission comes in. And, and I wouldn't be an Adventist historian buster, but I didn't remind us that <laughs> we're beginning uh, we're finishing off this quarter, but we're beginning a, a, a new year 2024 here very soon in a few weeks, that that marks 150 years of organized missions in the history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so it, we do well to pause and remember and reflect in, in the New Testament Church with, with Acts and with Paul and others, and also to our early Adventist beginnings. And today we live in an increasingly secular world where our earliest pioneers, they could count on. A lot of the people they'd meet in town were fellow Christians. Now we can't necessarily expect that. And, and so in a way, today's society is even more connected to that of the Athenian society. And we need to be very intentional and think about how we connect with other people, which raises the, uh, you know, Monday's lesson, you know, Paul is continuing this conversation in the next few verses where he's talking about this context here. Yeah. You know, Michael and. I like how you said he's continuing it because I, as you go through and I challenge our readers to go through and read this chapter in its entirety, because there's some certain key terms in here that, that the apostle uses that we can apply to our own lives mm -hmm. and, and trying to intentionally reach people. So this is Paul and, and as, as he's going through and the, the text is coming up here for me mm -hmm. in verse 16, even, and I know that's the end of your verse, but leading into 17 we see this correlation that I, I have to bring out. It says, now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. And I just, I, I mean, I just, I just want to pause there for a second. I think sometimes, especially as me as an Adventist, mm -hmm. our theology causes us to sometimes write off the world. Mm. We, we other the world and we say it's us versus them, believers versus non-believers. We forget the very mission and purpose of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is to do everything possible to get or, or to to persuade non-believers to become believers. And so when the the apostle is going through the marketplace and his spirit is provoked within him because he sees they're given over to idols, he doesn't say, well, they're lost. I'm going to go into my tent and pray and 
worship on the in, in, in the synagogue on Sabbath, but forget these people. No, he says, I want to do something about it. And a matter of fact, Michael, the very next verse, then he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Mm. So his spirit was provoked. He did something about it. He dialogued with people. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Sometimes we don't realize the impact that our words has on, on others. Just this week, I was talking with, with someone and I didn't really think that what I was sharing was very impactful. I just shared with them experience that I had and uh, loss and grief. And they sent me a text message back later saying, you helped so much. And it was just a dialogue. It was a conversation. It wasn't even an, it wasn't a Bible study. It was just a, a moment. And then I took a moment of prayer with this person as well. Sometimes we have no idea. And there's people that have had that impact on my life as well. Sometimes it's just asking about, hey, how's, how, how are you doing? How is your pet that you lost last week? How's your heart handling that? Sometimes it's just remembering the details of people's lives, of, of having that dialogue. And that's what the lesson is getting at here. Mm-hmm. I continue on 18 through 21. I'm not going to read all of that, but I will say that as he is speaking, there is uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers that come and, and they're going against what he is saying. And, and then there's others that came and they say, and, verse 19, and they took him and brought him and, and saying, may we know what this new doctrine is that you speak. Mm. Uh, for some bring some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. And he goes on and he tells them about this new thing that he's sharing with them. And what, what's really cool about this is it asks this question, what were some of the different ways that the pagans in the marketplace reacted to Paul speaking and questioning? We're going to get to this in a little bit, but some accepted it. Some were curious. Others got really engaged and involved and others were not as engaged or involved. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's not about the end result that sometimes we always want to see sometimes is about the progress and the process of doing our best to reach those who seem unreachable of saying, Hey, I might not reach you, but I'm still going to try because I care about you and I want to see you in glory. Now that's a call that God has placed on our hearts. And so Michael, that even brings us towards our, our next part of the lesson, which is Paul and the unknown God verses 22 and 23 of Acts 17. Yeah. And by the way, Buster, I just want to to thank you. You know, I, I know that one of our former colleagues at Swau, that's near and dear to our hearts, recently passed away. And then just yeah. being there, being available, sharing that story, loving people. I think that's just where, where it's at and caring those moments to care, which is why I love doing this podcast with you because because you have that caring touch. And, and same with you, Michael. I think that's just where it's at. We got to love people and connect and and show that just take that personal interest. So just remind our listeners, look around at uh, the people around you and take a moment and just let people know that, that, that you care and that you notice something that that could make all the difference. So, yeah. All right. Well, when you are noticing these things, Tuesday's lessons talking about verses 22 and 23, this is stellar. This is my favorite parts of, of the chapter here. It says, Paul stood up in the meeting of the Aeropagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. So he's kind of affirming, you know, hey, you're something that he has in common with them, right? And then verse 23, check this out. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. And so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. 
<laughs> of this because it's an element of surprise and boldness, right? Boldness, yeah. Here, here, this is right in their backyard, so to speak. Is like, like you guys should know this, um, but you don't. And here's, I'm going to tell it to you. And I think there is an element of curiosity, of surprise that that we can use in a good way, right? That we're not trying to shame people into the kingdom of God or guilt them or whatever else, but just to say, hey, I, I've got something that's really amazing and and you may not know this. And so let me, and, and so he's just reaching people where they're at, uh, again, using this element of surprise, elements of of connecting with people, relating to people, which is, you know, let's affirm the things that we have in common with others. And and I think that this is this can be a challenge. I I, I will mention this uh, this past week. I you know I heard some people that were looking at you know different things that the papacy, the Catholic Church, was doing, and and there was a little statement about that indicated some support for the environment, caring for the environment, creation care. We'd say right, and I I don't step on any toes here because I you know I fully believe in our understanding of the great controversy and end time events. So this is not. You know, but but I have to be we have to be careful instead of saying everything that someone else maybe that shares a different faith from us that we're somehow opposed to them, we're against them, you know, the Pope sneezes, then suddenly, you know, we're gonna think. And and instead of being always against whatever those we are uh disagree with, maybe we should look more for those commonalities. And so instead of seeing, for example, uh this was a, a statement about environment and, and carpooling, encouraging people to carpool that were coming to to uh, Catholic worship services. Well, um, I'm not saying people should go to Catholic religious services, but it's not a bad thing to carpool, right? To try to reduce our environmental impact. And so my my thing was, instead of seeing that as a something to be concerned about, maybe we should celebrate and say, hey, you know what? I care about the, I, I, care, I care about the environment too. Not, not because uh, we can save ourselves or anything else like that, but we're looking for points of commonality, right? And so, but I, I care for the environment because God created created the Sabbath. Did you know that? Because I value God's creation so much that uh, looking for those points of commonality, oh, you believe in, in caring for the environment too. How interesting. So instead of it being always something we're against, let's find those commonalities and those things that points that we can agree on with other Christians, with other people, even secular people, which is what Pastor Paul is trying to do. Again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. You know, I, I know that that there's good reason to be concerned and time events, a lot of apocalyptic things that we see happening around <laughs> the world, wars and rumors of wars. Boy, Buster, I mean, talk about, you know, a lot of anxiety when you look at what's happening in, in, in Israel and with the Palestinians and uh, Ukraine and elsewhere around the world, we certainly see lots of evidence of, of the nearness of Christ's return. But but let's follow, take a, a cue from Paul, find points of commonality, affirm the good things as much as we possibly can. And yes. that provides a, 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 a moment, you know, a liminal space, perhaps, when we can talk, in this case, about the new God, which kind of segues into Wednesday's lesson. Yes, it does. And Right at verse 24, Paul picks up and says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, that is our memory text, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on, uh, on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods 
and, and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And this is the key I want everyone to hear. Verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of each each one of us. As I share that, that, that that's our calling, Michael, is to we're seeking those who are seeking God. And I think that's the message of reaching the unreachable. There are things that God is doing behind the scenes that we can't see. In the Middle East, I have friends who uh, served four and a half years in Kyrgyzstan. And wow. as they were there, they're saying that they were witness to people who came and joined the Adventist faith because they were having dreams of, of this man in white. And that is a telltale sign that they say when that happens in the Muslim world, that that's Jesus visiting them, telling them it's time to convert. And they risked a lot converting. But this is why we do mission. This is why we go into the workplace and we share our faith, because there are people that are groping and they're searching for God. And as they're seeking, we're finding those who are seeking. Mm. Uh, and, and so we're not the one causing them to seek. We're not the ones who are converting people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Mm -hmm. But we are, we're, we're collectors. <laughs> we're collectors of those God is bringing up to the top, that God is rising up. And, and so as, as we're looking at that, as we're looking at this lesson, uh, introducing a new God, as you introduce God to others, we have to recognize that it's not just with our words. It wasn't just Paul's words. It was his actions. It was his, the way he lived. It was different. And that's what we're called to do as well. We're called to be conscientious people who are living lives counterculturally to that of the world. Now, I love, Michael, as you, you talk about it before, that we're not, we're not going against the culture or trying to destroy culture. God, God does not transcend culture. Uh, what's your line that you constantly use, Michael? Transform. God transforms culture. Thinking uh, from Reinhold Niebuhr. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so, by all means, let's allow God to transform us as we look to transform the cultures that we are involved in heavily. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to Michael uh, Thursday's lesson, Crossing a Line. Okay. Well, this, this is going to kind of um, be, might be out there for some people, but just something to kind of think about. Uh, and if you don't like it, you can take up your issues with, with Paul. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But here towards the end of the chapter, what you just highlighted, you know, describing and, and not the temples made, built, does not live in temples built by human hands and, and so on. But then he kind of gets here to the to the end of this, that he says, in the past, God overlooked uh, such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So God's God's gracious in, in how he works with everybody. And we need to be compassionate in the same kind of way, right? That that we need to be careful not to judge too quickly. But, but here's the line crossed, uh, verse 28, where he is quoting from their own authors. For in, it says, for in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. And so this is kind of really interesting because it says that Paul is paying attention to the culture. He's not just kind of coming in as an interloper, inserting himself into the Athenian culture and just saying, hey, guys, I'm... I'm a spiritual superhero. Pay attention to me. Wow, wow, wow. He's he's actually paying attention, learning their culture, learning how they live. He's paying attention. Here's this altar to the unknown God, right? He's mm -hmm. he's also reading their their literature. Very, very interesting because 
he's understanding their way of thinking and trying to, within that milieu, kind of invite them to say, hey, here's something that I think is amazing and attractive and, and why you should pay attention to. And so I think this is um, a part of being a missionary, right, is, is being missional. That's not just necessarily going to a faraway place. It's a way of thinking, a way of approaching life, a way of opening yourself so that you're not thinking defensively, how do I protect myself from all these outside influences? But rather, it's a spiritual maturity that says, I now am so in love with Jesus. I want to think, how do other people think so that I can reach them with the gospel of Jesus? And that's the line that's crossed is, is uh, it's a missional line from being inward focused to outward focused. And, and that allows yourself to feel with a certain sense of maturity that I can, I can now reach out and look out within this world and, and, and read their literature. You know, I mean, he's reading authors, right? I mean, he is, he is, this is kind of out there, right? So could, could we do the same thing? And I'm not saying that we, you know, think of our world today, you know, we have media and everything else, but, but are we just consumers passively or can we actually think proactively at what is the media that is being consumed around us in the world so that we can learn to think with a new generation? Every generation's different, but how can we be intentional to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, I, I think that's the key, Michael, which is looking for commonalities, mm-hmm. uh, looking for similarities, use, utilizing those similarities in order to gain trust, win the people over. Uh, because so many times, uh, especially here recently in Adventism, we're constantly looking for differences. Mm-hmm. Well, this is how we're different. This is how we're different. Well, let's look at how we're similar. So there is a bond that's created. So then we can then talk about why there are differences. But let's talk about some of those commonalities first. I love it. And, and by the way, Ellen White affirms this in Acts of the Apostles. She actually says, and this is quoted on Friday's lesson, uh, she talks about had he come in with a direct attack upon their gods and the great men of the city, he would have met the fate of Socrates, she says. But <laughs> this is the, 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 the kicker here. But with a tact born of divine love, he carefully yes. drew their minds away from heathen deities by revealing to them the true God who was to them unknown. And so that's what we need is a sense of, of tact and divine love in our hearts. And that's what makes all the difference in being missional. Uh, I love that. And Michael, I don't think there's a better way to end. Uh, may we have that tact and that divine love and may it fill us. Hey, I need it too. You know, I don't. Yes, I'm with you. But, but I desire it. And I want to invite our listeners also pray that the Holy Spirit just impress upon your heart and in and, and your life and whatever situations you have that God will provide those missional moments to to where God through the Holy Spirit will be able to work in and through you. Amen. I love it. Well, I think that puts a wrap for our first week. Can't wait to get into part two of this. So until next week, thank you for listening to Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. And until next week, this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing, Signing out. out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, sabbathschoolrescue.org, for each weekly episode.